Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. I'm Rudo. She's Megan. We're here again talking, uh, well, I don't know exactly what we're going to be talking about today. I'm crafting the tweet and I'm like, this is a little hard to put into so few words. There's going to be some randomness involved in today's show, uh, to say the least. It's it's that time of the off season. Still be hockey related. Oh, yeah. Still be abs related. We don't want to get too far into season previews just yet, but... We're going to let the Wheel of Destiny decide which abs we're talking about today a little bit. Uh, Before we do get into talking abs, though, the actual hockey news of the day, Brandon Hagel signs a $6.5 million AAV eight-year deal. Uh, A guy not last week we were talking about as, you know, one of the best value contracts in the league for this season. Now is getting paid. Uh happy for the guy of course you always want to see players get paid megan is this uh is this a wise deal from tampa bay oh incredibly so it's definitely a long term but i didn't realize how young brandon hagel is yeah 24 turning it, it feels like he's like almost 30 right <laughs> yeah there was something about him that definitely felt older than he was and so the term on that contract is still quite excellent and because he is such a dynamic way of playing the game there are so many uses for tampa that i think in the past they've adopted or i shouldn't say a similar model because i actually think that they were sort of the first to pioneer a little bit for sure exactly but the model of finding value players and then rotating and moving on to finding that new value type player and with hagel though this is them investing in one of those finds for a longer term. And so that definitely comes at an expense, probably in the form of Ross Colton. But I think that <laughs> yeah. this gives way for them to pay a person like Hagel for the future. And I think that's a solid investment because even though we talk about the ways in which the Avs will also sort of do this, similarly looking to rotate players out and find new value and guys looking for a fresh start, it can be hard to find sometimes. And that's why it's important to invest at times in players like Hagel. And he brings a lot to Tampa on the penalty kill. He distributes the puck well, can hang in their top six. It's been also just such an upward trajectory for him in his career that it's a sound investment because of how he projects for the future. Can't complain about it at all. I think that extra year is what made this come in just a little bit shy AAV-wise of the Troy Terry contract, which yep. is good business because he is still 24. I do want to talk about Terry in a second. Uh, it is interesting to me, though, uh, watching teams like the Avs, teams like Tampa, play off each other with, with contracts like this. Uh, you know, Obviously, Tampa has other examples. Nick Paul, another middle six-ish guy. Hagel's probably really more of a top six after last season. But getting a long-term contract from Tampa, you look over on the Avs side, you already mentioned Nachushkin as, look, the Avs version of let's go out and pay a guy $6 million forever to stay here because things have gone so well and we've gotten that value. And you look at the Avs trying to do it again with someone like Miles Wood, maybe a little bit more aggressively, obviously Wood hadn't played for the Avs yet, and a little bit more cheaper AAV. Uh, Can contracts translate like that down the lineup to someone like a Wood who realistically you're not expecting to turn into a 60-point type guy? Translate to what? Sorry. 
to making sense for the organization gotcha. and and sticking with the formula, I suppose. I gotcha. Yes. I think they can because of where they're deriving value otherwise in the lineup. It is interesting the way it's distributed for the Avs specifically right now, but yep. having a player like Lekkonen 4.5 for the foreseeable future, which is not necessarily likely to stay <laughs> at that value, Ryan Johansson then at 4 mil, yep. you're getting a lot of value elsewhere in the top six that I think you can then afford to pay a little bit of a premium on your third line. Fair it's point. still a risk that they're taking, but I think because of where they're finding value is why it can be reconciled with the Wood contract and certainly the Colton contract, too, that I think is another that has the potential to age very well for the Avs. I agree with that one. It's literally a player going from Tampa to Colorado in that case. Right, but. and we, we appreciate Tampa's <laughs> model for success and think that these are two teams that have derived inspiration from one another, and yep. this is a player in Colton that has been brought up through a lot of what they have done well. Yeah, full, fully. It'll be really interesting to see. And, and we've already seen some other teams in league start to adopt ideas like this. And obviously Tampa and Colorado success has been there over the last four years. But I'm, I'm curious how much of a hold this value hunt and term takes hold of the league especially given the the cap increases that are on the horizon for the league so we'll see how that works out exactly in the case of Troy Terry uh, I know you talked to him the other day also has a fairly sizable contract to live up to now good vibes for him absolutely and I obviously hold such a bias because compared side by side Hagel Terry I feel Hagel is a little bit more obviously a good contract for Tampa. I still think Terry's contract is good for Anaheim, yeah. but I think Hagel's has the slight edge. And the reason being just, and honestly, I think we're looking at a difference in year on the term. And I think Terry is only one year older. Yeah. So not a huge difference, still a pretty sound investment, at least in terms of how that is supposed to age for Anaheim. But the, dynamicism of Terry is also similar to Hagel, but it's a lot of offense creation that Terry brings to the table yeah. compared to the penalty kill specialty that Hagel has in the back and being able to move down in the lineup them as needed, which could become really important later in the contract mm -hmm. if he is asked to play more of a depth role. Terry projects as a top six player. That is his skill set down the line. He is not showing as a top six player. It could be maybe one that ages just a bit differently. But what he does provide offensively is so important for Anaheim and yeah. a young core that does still need. I don't even want to describe Terry as a veteran presence. He's just older than <laughs> by the children. A few years. <laughs> right. By by a few years than the children. <laughs> but his ability to create and transition and strike off the rush are also really potent characteristics in a player that I don't blame Anaheim for investing in. And I like both contracts. I think they're very similar. Anaheim's also in a different place from Tampa. Hey, look, the modern NHL, if you're not a child, you're a veteran. All right. That's the rules. Uh, I know you talked to Troy Terry. Uh, I think he was telling you about him having a kid. So we have that footage for you, which we can roll here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my life is 
has moved along quicker than I thought it would the last year or two. Um, getting married last summer and then um, having a kid, having a new contract and all of it. So it's it's been cool. Um, it's awesome to know that, you know, especially having the kid now that, um, you know, we can hopefully buy a house and know that we're going to be in Anaheim for, you know, seven years now. So it's been um yeah, cool summer. A lot of different things going on. Is it, a, sorry. is it a relief to know that you have the security, you have the contract, you can kind of go out and play free? Yeah, I mean, I think all hockey players, when they're, you know, pressing for points or, you know, whatever, especially when you're playing in uh, kind of a contract year and, you know, you're worried about your, you know, your stat line and all that, is, is when it almost gets harder to, you know, produce and you're gripping your stick a little bit. Um, so to be able to, you know, kids coming up and, and just kind of the organization moving forward and not have to you know stress too much about the points which I know my job is to produce but, but that's usually when you know I've learned with myself is when I'm not pressing for it is when I'm you know more relaxed and, and you know the points usually come. Interesting there I don't think it's a surprising concept that a player in his contract year might be little focused on his point production and worried about something like that. But it is interesting to hear a player actually say that, especially in the NHL. Well, and to look at JT Comp for Colorado, getting top six opportunity, has a career year in a contract year. That is a perfect scenario. Yep. A struggling Anaheim team that was set to undergo significant organizational changes at the end of it all. To still try and perform to the best of your ability in a contract year on a team that is struggling a little bit probably adds a layer of pressure for yep. Terry that you don't have much choice to navigate that any differently, but to do your best. And I think there's a lot of truth to putting too much pressure on yourself, becoming the source of your problems, especially Definitely. offensively. I think the abs found themselves faced with that truth last year with their own scoring troubles. Certainly it's impressive when you have players like Nathan McKinnon and Miko <laughs> Rantanen that at times can just will themselves to scoring a goal. But, yeah, I think we saw a lot of that in the Avs middle six, in the playoffs especially. They, they Wanting it more almost makes the mental block even worse. And obviously there has been a significant restructuring of the Avs middle six this season. So hopefully the mental block is not even a consideration at this point, and they can get some consistent production out of multiple facets of those guys in the, you know, they had JT Confer in the regular season last year. They had, I wouldn't say consistent scoring out of Erod, but at times certainly was giving you quality production, and then Erod really the one guy in the playoffs who actually produced. Right. You need three, four, five Erods in the playoffs this year, and hopefully the Abs have found that. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see once we get there uh, how the roster construction has actually worked out. But we will be talking about how some of this roster construction could be success, how they will find their success this year. How about let's put it that way? I want to want to be forward with that as we're going to we're going to be given some positive. I think we'll probably be given some negatives about a handful of, of avalanche players here. Do we? Can we bring up the thing? Can we show it? That's I, I perfect, awesome. So we have a, a whole uh, wheel of pretty much every name 
on the app. Nah, I mean, there's there's quite a few names on there, and we're gonna spin this thing, and it's gonna land on someone, and then we're gonna tell you uh, how that player is going to succeed and or fail this year. So, a little bit of a little bit of fun, a little bit of RNG. Should be a good time. What's up, Jesse? How you doing? Don't be so quick. How do we know that's really Jesse? Say something only Jesse would say. Yeah, it's true. It could be anybody. <laughs> we don't know. Oh, that's fun, but... <laughs> Will be fun. Uh, a quick, perfect one to, to finish up the first segment on here, though, because we can be quick about this one. Uh, Mikhail Gugayev. The first spin on the board. Uh, his... His success this year, I think, will not be followed by a lot of people just because he's going to be playing in the KHL. He's still two years away from coming over to North America, so it's not going to be something that gets watched like a hawk, but pretty reasonable expectations for me here. This is a kid who absolutely has high-end talent. It's just about him putting his head down, doing the work, making a name for himself for starters in the KHL. He really has not played that much professional hockey yet. Most of his his quality play coming in juniors in Russia last year. But look, I think the kid has a great attitude based on what we saw out of him at the draft. Probably needs to learn English, which we have seen can be a problem at times for some kids. Didn't stop him from becoming best friends with Colby Ambrosio. There you go. So you're set. You're set. If he can he can do that without the English language, what else more do you need? Uh, like, realistically, I would not set my expectations too high for this kid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh I, I don't know. What are your expectations? Or, or rather, where do you see him succeeding this year? This is a great opportunity for me to amend a comment I said on the draft floor about his skating. Mm-hmm. And I specifically said his footwork. And I, I wanted to say it was the details of the footwork. And now having watched in such a limited sample size through dev camp, I think I just mean engagement in contact battles um, is what is actually the concern. So it's the footwork in and out of those battles and not because he's incapable. I actually think it's just the engagement. And that is something that I hope that playing among men, he leans into and self-initiates that that is a priority because what's important for him in this next year and what's exciting about his timeline alongside what's going on in Colorado defensively is because, because Taves is here, Byram is here. There is opportunity in two years' time for Guliev to become a huge solution to the Avs' problems, depending on what happens with Byram. Does he stay healthy? Yep. Does he want to play number one somewhere else at the end of this contract? I don't want to utter that, but can they keep Taves? This is Mikhail Guliev music. And depending on the year he has, he can get excited about that opportunity. And hopefully it's something that motivates him in this next year to have a great season and especially if the Avs have some amount of success this year, it'll also excite him to join the Avs in the near future. So there's still a lot of things from the sidelines before he even joins the Avs that he can be looking forward to and working on and getting excited about. When it comes to that physical engagement, how much of it is a mindset thing where he's just got to get in there and do it? And how much of it is uh, he still needs to put on some some muscle and do a little bit of the actual weightlifting, things like that, to keep up physically? I think it's mindset. Okay. Physically, I think he 
is pretty solid and is only going to physically mature more from this point. So the mindset is what I'm hoping he really dials in. So there you go. Amp it up a little bit. Go talk to, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a Russian, I guess Zadorov. That would be great. There you go. A little well, bit of physical. <laughs> <laughs> I say that cautiously. <laughs> Wait, this is like, I, whether Gulia makes it or not, I'm pretty confident he has more puck moving ability than Nikita Sidorov. That's why I was like, so. let's not borrow too much from Sidorov's game. You are still a terrific puck moving yeah. defenseman. Yeah, just the physical aspect. Right, right, maybe. right, right. Let's see. It, and it is interesting with Gulyev, I somewhat relevant today. Uh, it was I forget who tweeted it out, but Nachushkin was out in uh, his old uh, youth team in, in Chelyabinsk. I'm sure I said that wrong, but yeah, out there doing stuff. I think they said he donated like 50 grand to him. So I love to see that. I love to see the turnout for Nachushkin too in yep. that hockey community that rallied around him. So it was good to see, and he was flying out there too. So I hope that he's just as excited to get back to the season as the rest of us are to watch him play. Make a pit stop wherever Gulyayev is yeah. and say yeah. what's up. Yeah. No, exactly. Geographically, there's no better opportunity than right now. <laughs> Russia's tough geographically, but I, I actually would have to, I'd off the top of my head, I don't know who Gulyayev plays for, so I'd have to look. But anyway, not the point of today's show. And on that note, we are brought to you by the fantastic folks over at Broken Tea. If you're a golfer, you got to get out to Broken Tea and have a great time. And you can use code DNVR10 to get 10% off uh, your round of golf there, as <laughs> Brendan Vote wearing one of the worst shirts ever made. No. <laughs> are there more? There are a handful out there. Yeah. No. <laughs> Uh, but go get yourself out on the Broken Tea Golf Course. They have something for everyone. They have their 18-hole championship course, but they also have a par three course for 27 holes in total. No matter what level of golfer you are, you can go out and enjoy Broken Tea's award-winning practice facility and courses. Uh, they also have a fantastic pro shop and Wyatt's, which is a fantastic restaurant. You know, play a little round of golf, have a little bit of dinner. Great time all the way around be sure to use that DNVR10 code to get 10% off your round. And they do have a charity tournament coming up September 22nd. Uh, you can get in on that and a bunch of prizes. They're supporting the Bridge House Tri-Cities Homeless Action Team in their efforts uh, to open a navigation center that will provide a facility for community members that are struggling with homelessness. Uh, look, great cause, great golf, all the way around. Fantastic time. Uh Go have some fun over at Broken Tea. And once you're done with your golf, then you can go bet on some golf, I guess, if you... I don't know. I've never been a big golf better. <laughs> go bet on some other exciting sport. was watching uh, professional rock climbing the other day. It I'm was a like, little scared about how the competition of that is measured. So they have like three different sections. They have the speed climbing, which is like the easy one. It's okay, whoever gets okay, to the top okay. fastest. That's the one you can bet on because it's like, oh, yeah, that person's just faster. I would go bet on that. I have no idea how you would bet on the like bouldering competition where it's like 
you have to climb up and reach certain points. And but people are throwing things at you. Oh, they would be way cooler if people were throwing things. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're taking this. That's the Olympic level. All right. <laughs> you have to survive the tomatoes. But <laughs> uh, tomatoes. yeah, stuff like that you can bet on with Bet365. Uh, you can also use the DNBR365 code when you go over there. You can bet on normal sports too. Hockey, basketball, baseball football i guess uh do that with the dnvr365 code when the new account uh and you put in a minimum of ten dollars and bet at least one dollar they'll give you two hundred dollars in bonus bets to use so that's two hundred dollars to play around with however you want to use them there's no limits on it you can go in and you can bet two dollars and fifty cents you can go in there and bet nine dollars and seventy seven cents you can go in there and bet all 200 of the bonus bets if that's what you want to do uh, go find yourself an abs bet that you'll enjoy. There's a number of good odds you can get right now, ranging from, I think McKinnon was plus like 600 to win the heart. Uh, the abs were plus 1,000 to win the cup. You can get in uh, other ones as well. The, the abs are like plus 400 to win the conference or something like that, I think. Uh, lots of options with bet 365. I'll put it to you that way. It was, yeah, I think Miko's like plus 1,500 last I checked to win the, the Rocket too. So, which, That's you know, fun. you can also bet against those guys. If you, if you're not a believer, you get even money on McDavid as the heart. So that's honestly not even that bad of a bet at even money. You, I would consider splashing some, some cash on that. Uh, you can do it all with bet three, six, five, make sure you download their app today and use the DNVR three, six, five code. When you sign up to deposit at least $10 and bet one to get those $200 in bonus bets, Bet three, six, five has 80 million users worldwide. Uh, they also live stream tons and tons of events so you can place your bet and be watching whatever event it is. You just bet on right there, right away. You don't have to do anything funky and strange to get what you want out of it. Uh, great time. Highly recommend all sorts of great deals always going on over there with bet boosts and things like that. You must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly. If you or someone, you know, has a gambling problem and wants help call or text one 800 gambler. Second period of the DNVR avalanche podcast. Let's spin the wheel, baby. Show me, show me another name. Hopefully we get one. That might be a little bit more of an in-depth conversation than Guliev. If we get Guliev again, what do we do? I don't know. Oh, they, he disappears He's off the list. Done. All right. Uh, hey, relevant, relevant oh, to yesterday's show. That's funny because I do feel like we talked about. I did with the 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 wheels letting us down a little bit. I want to phrase this conversation this way. Looking at Logan O'Connor, I think we were both. Actually looking at his stats going, you know what? His production's actually a little bit better than we give him credit for at times. Well, especially last year in the context of it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. It, 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 the interesting thing with LOC is there is some production there. It's just he'll have a 10-game stretch where he scores like nine points and then two months where it's tough. So maybe a little bit more consistency should be the goal for him. For uh, realistic ability, it's impossible to say because the Evs haven't filled this spot yet, but if he has a career-type year, I do think he could hold down that third-line roster spot. I'd love to see that kind of step for him because 
you mentioned consistency, and it's in every facet of his game except the offensive yeah, production. That's true. And I'd love to see that be then the step forward that exists for LOC. It's a tough one because he, season by season, has left people wanting more offensively. And because he brings so much to the table, it's hard to demand that without mm. seeing the tremendous value that still lies within this player. But that's... Mm. In the way we frame this pod, like how can people maximize the value that they provide to the Avalanche? And that's what it is for LOC, yep. is to find a little bit more of that scoring touch, whether that be through playmaking and distributing and the puck or finding different ways to <laughs> score. And I want to give him credit here because, as you kind of alluded to, He's kind of maximized every other part of his game. Right. <laughs> There's not a whole lot more that you can reasonably ask for out of him other than s trying to squeak out a 35-point season and, and establish himself as more of a third-liner than a bottom-six guy. Now, I do think a lot of the way that he gets there is an opportunity to play with Ross Colton an opportunity to play with a little bit more offensive talent that can help drive play in the right direction. You're looking at Logan O'Connor if he does end up on that third line. Look, Miles Wood, probably more of a shooter than LOC. Ross Colton, certainly uh, more of an offensive threat than LOC. So LOC kind of becomes the guy that does a lot of the dirty work on that line. You already know he's going to be in on the forecheck constantly. Between him and Wood, they're going to cause havoc back there. So it's about creating those opportunities a little bit. And then I think a conversation, if we do happen to roll in, that we'll probably have with Ben Myers as well. If he can help put guys in good situations, his teammates need to be able to finish for him this year. That's actually a great point because... In looking at opportunity, JT Comfer was better when he played on a third line with Burakovsky. Yep. And last year's third line did not resemble JT Comfer and Burakovsky. Not even a little. It was parts of what was a fourth line the year before, mm -hmm. and then a new hook who was looking to break out at points, sometimes fringe players. The opportunity and consistency in line mates wasn't there, and I hate to fall on that as a crutch because I know we talk about this a lot within the context of last year. But with LOC, you would see that the hard work on that side of the puck does bring about scoring opportunities for teammates and with Newhook being reluctant to take a shot because of the confidence. Yep. That was where play would die. And with someone like Wood opposite him that might be more confident to just take the shot, maybe this is something that comes together a little bit more nicely. I do think that the... Engaging in those battles the way that LOC does in the offensive zone is going to lead to more possession and opportunity that perhaps Wood and Colton can do more with. I hope so, at the very least. Uh, certainly no doubts in, in O'Connor's ability to get in there, cause chaos. Just got to be able to take that next step. And if he doesn't, that's not a big deal. <laughs> he will still continue to be Logan O'Connor, continue to be a 25-ish point guy for you in your depth forward core, which is success. Like, that's he's already targeted for success this year, in my mind, even if he doesn't take that next step. It's just an understanding of the limitations that he has. Um, all right. Let's roll another one. Let's see if we can get all the short ones out of the way, apparently. Um, who we got? 
How funny. <laughs> Is that Taze or Colton? I can't. Okay, it says Colton. All right. So we're just, we're tearing through uh, all of the, the depth guys, I guess. Colton is interesting for me because I think if you're talking peak ultimate success this year, he kind of becomes your second line center, right? I don't know how realistic that is. I don't know if that's something you should be expecting or targeting at all, but it's something that's not off the table. The one thing I will say, Colton is one of the most efficient goal scorers in the league. To me, that means he's going to have to shoot more. Now, how much of this is him being a third liner? How much does he have to generate by himself compared to how much can he facilitate or rather can his teammates facilitate for him? I think there's going to be a stretch of figuring things out, him coming into a new team. Let's face it, a training camp is not a great simulation for real games. That's just the reality. You do as much as you can, but... It's going to take some time to adjust to playing at, at game pace. Should we expect Colton to really push and replace what you got out of JT Comfer? Or is that more going to be a replacement by committee? Well, I think it's something he's building towards and eyeing for a year two. And okay. I don't think that's unrealistic. I feel more confident now from the time that we first discussed after Colton was signed that he is being eyed for kind of a second-line role in the Evs' future. I don't expect him to ascend to that in this year, but in the same way that JT Comfort also didn't immediately earn that opportunity, mm -hmm. he had to demonstrate an aptitude on that third line first before really, and honestly, circumstance also forced that opportunity yeah. for Comfort. Yeah. So that's why I'm not even going to pitch that for Colton, though opportunity could arise if Johansson can't hang on the second line. So... I say that cautiously because that would not be a good situation. Nope. But in the same way that... Individually, it could be good for, for Colton. Great, yeah. Could be great for Colton, but also dire straits for the Avs if that happens because GT Comfer had so much more time to settle into the middle six role over time yep. and get that promotion. So it would be such a stretch to expect that in Colton's first year in Colorado while he's still assimilating to the way Colorado likes to do things, new teammates. But... In the same way that we talked about what Hagel has become in Tampa, how he was more of a depth player that now can hang in a top six, yep. I'd like to imagine a similar trajectory for Colton in Colorado. And this year is laying the foundation for that. If he can get comfortable on the third line, I don't mean comfortable. I mean, he has to be maybe one of the brightest spots there. It's, it seems and possible. He certainly needs to drive that line. Yes. I, that that it should be an expectation, absolutely. This is a guy with a 20-goal season under his belt. It, after talking about someone like Logan O'Connor, who you're trying to convince yourself, hey, he probably could play on this third line. Colton is, no, you, you need to dominate on this third line. You need to be the best player on the ice if you're going up against the other team's third line. And I think he's fully capable of that. The Avs clearly do. They gave him a four-year, $4 million deal. So I think there are, is a little bit more to live up to when it comes to, to Colton's contract. And I think he can. I also think it's funny that the Avs are like going out and collecting 
all of the important goal scorers in the NHL. Colton has a has a cup winning goal under his belt. Obviously, Lecky got tons of important goals in the playoffs. Maybe that just comes with the territory of making deep runs in the playoffs, though. I might be looking too much into that one. Uh, for Colton specifically, I think the realistic expectations of you'd love to get a 40-point guy out of him are, are fine. But the question for me is, when does it become a good season to a great season? What does special teams look like for a guy like him? They probably should be playing on the power play on PP2 just regardless, but can he function for Colorado on a penalty kill? Can he be a face-off guy at least there, if not an actual full-time penalty killer? I don't have a good answer for that. That's not something that I can really say for sure. So, it's The, the PK possibility is something that is between a few guys now in... Yeah. Colton Wood and Johansson that they I could see them all being there in that role and I think the face-off specialty between Johansson and Colton are going to be really important contributions for both of them yeah it's it's still early so take everything with a grain of salt here uh the one thing for Colton <clears throat> We've seen that Jared Bednar likes a guy that can be quite versatile in a, a role of 3C and he'll end up bouncing around the lineup a lot. I do worry a little bit about that new team. You're already having hurdles to settle into, trying to get adjusted to that. And then if you're not given a consistent role, eh, look, I, I think he will be better than Alex Newhook was in this role here in Colorado at that, but... We could see that to his detriment to a certain extent if you're, if you're looking at it on the other side. If the top is him passing up Johansson and becoming a 2C, the bottom is him struggling to adjust to a role that is just not consistent at all. And I'm not super concerned about that, but it's on the table. I think it's a good point because of what JT Comfort was able to do for the abs being so hard to fill. It even took JT Comfort time to reach that point role but also seeing that tampa was versatile in how they use colton to some degree there's maybe some hope that that transition won't be as stark as it was for newhook even just in his sophomore season needing to really step up what his role was compared to the year before because of how limited it was there you go so he has the experience for further success in this role um I, I'm looking forward to it. I don't think he's the the player that I'm most excited about that had joined the Avs this year, but he's one that expectations are real for, and he should have the the kit to live up to those. On that note, we are brought to you by the folks over at AG One. They keep you healthy. They keep you going. It's just one scoop in your cup of water every single morning. It's got 75 different vitamins and minerals, a bunch of adaptogens and probiotics and all sorts of good stuff for you. Tons of athletes like Ross Colton and Logan O'Connor maybe need some. Uh, A lot of athletes do use them. Some of those bouldering guys, the people I was watching the other day, drinking AG One. So there you go. It's even the Olympic qualifiers have people drinking it. You know it's the good stuff for you. 
Uh, it'll help boost your immune system. It's a great part of a workout routine. You really cannot go wrong when it comes to AG1. Something you got to get your hands on just trying to lead a healthier lifestyle. So the comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine. Then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase when you go to drinkag1.com slash avalanche today. Uh, look. It's, it's great at what it does. Uh, it, it just becomes a habit for you, becomes part of your daily routine. It's no different than taking a vitamin in the morning. So go on it. Go drink your AG1. Get it at drinkag1.com slash avalanche today and get those vitamin D and travel packs along with it. Uh, and then if you have been mangled by a random wheel? I don't know. I tried to get there. Uh, <laughs> Box and Shanker has your back if you have been injured in some way and it's not your fault, though. Whether it be a car accident, whether it be at work and something went wrong, whether you were walking down the street and something crazy happened, that's where they've got you. You go to coloradolaw.net or call 222-2222 today and they'll give you a free consultation. And if they think you have a case, they will take it on for nothing. You don't have to pay these guys until you win your case. They're just out here trying to get you the money you deserve, trying to get you right after whatever it was that happened. So go check them out. They're very, very good at what they do. They've been doing it for over 25 years here in Colorado, and they've won over a billion dollars for their clients in that time. So they uh, they will get the job done for you. They win lots of people, lots of money. Uh, again, call the two number or go to coloradolaw.net to get a free consultation from Bacchus and Shanker. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast, and it's uh, it's time to spin the wheel again. Let's see, we, we've got we've got some bottom six. Let's see if we can uh, roll a top sixer here. Maybe maybe some defense. I'll, t- I'll take that too. Nope, we're sticking. We're sticking with the th- we're just clearing out the third line. This is hilarious. It's become the third line show, which was basically yesterday's show. <laughs> kind of, they're just hey, we look, didn't talk about it in this way. That's true. The sometimes that's how the RNG gods go. Uh, Miles Wood. We've talked a lot, I think, about how stylistically he's a great fit with the skating ability. They have him locked up long term, so the Avs clearly believe in him. For him to be successful this year, is it strictly just fit? Do the ab system correctly? Don't take too many penalties? Give him 25 to 30 points? Or does he need to improve on what we've seen from him in New Jersey? Well, certainly with respect to the penalties. Okay. Which is interesting because of how highly sought after he was by the Avs and that being a piece of information that they would know full well. I wonder if I've undersold what it is that the Avs saw in Wood, if that makes sense. Because I think at least here we've talked about him certainly just kind of matching expectation, but not really exceeding it. And I wonder what it is about Wood that makes me so reluctant to confidently say that he could exceed expectation next year. And I'm wondering if you have any idea why, different from Joanne, who we could get really excited on the possibilities for, and even Colton, I'm not sure if we're that there with Johansson, but with yeah, some of these new additions, yeah. Wood has been one that I've been reluctant to get 
really high on. To me, I think he's just not as tantalizing. Um, Duran, it's easy, right? That's a guy who has 50-point seasons in his history. It's going to be hard for Miles Wood to really pull up any talking points to that level. Now, if he rolls up and has a 50-point season, I will be happy to eat my words on that. <laughs> but it's not really something that you can look at his history and expect out of him. Uh, with Colton, I do think the conversation is a little bit more interesting. Does Colton maybe get a little bit more run because, oh, well, this is the guy who played for Tampa. This is the guy that has been on the good team for the last couple of years. This is a guy who should play away Colorado likes to play. Whereas Wood, if coming out of New Jersey, they really only started to turn that corner and become a good team this past season. So there's maybe hasn't been as much opportunity for Wood to become that guy as a third liner on a quality hockey team and have the opportunity to even take those steps forward with the team around him. I think when you look at his game, it lacks a little bit of intelligence at times, which makes me wonder how high the ceiling really is. And that's not a problem. I think it's just where some of my reservations about him being able to exceed some of those expectations. But I do think where I've underselled him a little bit is is with the physicality and him being a body down there right. that people don't want to play against. Because don't get me wrong, Logan O'Connor, extremely pesty, extremely willing to do the battles. He's not a huge guy. He's not going to be a guy who really crushes people very often. I don't know that Miles Wood will be that either, but he's bigger. He's he's a guy that if he comes barreling into a corner, that guy might think twice about it. And I think there's more value in Wood when it comes to that sandpaper, that hard to play against in the Avs middle six or bottom six that they were lacking some of last year. As you talk about physicality, I remember a lot of what we talked about after Wood was the absence of that quality in the lineup because Landy isn't in it yep. and how important even more of a net front present net front presence is between both Colton and Wood. I think both of these players can drive inside ice like that, but also with Wood, just the brutalizing physicality that he's capable of playing with being a quality. I, I could see them really valuing. And then the other part of it is, if he's playing with players that complement the part of his game we're worried about is taking penalties. Someone like Logan O'Connor, the physicality doesn't jump off the page at you in the same way that it does for Wood. Yeah. But the peskiness can draw penalties. And I, I do wonder if having someone like that doesn't have to be OC working alongside Wood could help control possession in every possible way. Conversation a exactly. Little bit with him it too. neutralizes yeah. the penalty conversation and doesn't come at the expense of the physicality though. Like Wood can still continue to be that player. Yep. Um, if he's complimented by somebody though who has that skill set in the bag, I think that could be a really compatible line. Uh, with LOC and, and Wood, I agree 100%. I I do think you're probably asking them to to step it up a little bit if Colton is their center, though. Yeah. So. Because you don't want that to come at the expense of Colton's offense. Exactly. There's more upside there 
that you don't want to be held back if he doesn't have the proper partners. Yep. And and again, the reality of this is we could wake up tomorrow and the abs have signed a third line winger that is now going to take one of those guys spots. We don't know, but at some point I'm sure both of those guys will be playing third line minutes because that's just the nature of an NHL season and people will get hurt or need days off or whatever. So opportunity is there for both of those guys. If they can find it, I wouldn't be 100% confident in them finding it though. Um, and there you go, Maddie with the uh, the Bacchus and Shanker read. I, think I should that's have so hit. funny. Yeah, I think yeah. it's so funny. Um, maybe maybe the play for uh, Miles Wood is you can't take a penalty if the other team already took a penalty. Is that the the big brain thinking? <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. It's a little bit silly when you put it like that, but that that is maybe the hope is together too. What if this is the most annoying line? on the planet no, earth for sure like I think the most annoying line to play against that there's now three players that might get you so upset yep. to play opposite of that they bait people into taking penalties yeah i think that's by being annoying and and something i think the avs have maybe not struggled with but looked for a little bit more of after nazem kadri moved on a guy that will consistently get you going on the power play, will consistently draw a, a penalty in the right moment. And the Avs had some of that. It's not like it was a disaster or anything last year. Out in their, their numbers were fine when it comes to power play penalty kill plus minus, but they didn't quite have that guy that it felt like every time down they might draw a, pow a power play, yeah, a, other than McKinnon, obviously, but that's a different beast entirely. Uh, so uh, it's it's interesting because we see good fits, but there's still going to be a sorting out of finding a role for anyone in really any team's bottom six. If you're coming in new, you have to figure out where you fit exactly and, and what's going to be asked of you. And that's a little bit of where we're at with all of these guys that this wheel has given us. So let's do one more and let's see. Uh, you can't pick another third liner now. Yeah, we, this we is did so them all. funny. <laughs> Manson. All right. That's a more interesting conversation than Anna and who we also talked yes. about. <laughs> Full respect <laughs> yeah. to Usus. Yeah. No. So. I actually think this could be a potentially very interesting season for Josh Manson because with Eric Johnson gone, with Jack Johnson aging out, look, the best defensive D on the team is probably Devon Taves, but you're going to be asking Manson to anchor that decor on the back end of the ice in He's going to be a prime penalty killer. He's going to be a guy that if he's playing well, they're going to sneak shifts out for him above the third pairing with other guys where they're asking him to be the safe, reliable guy. While someone like a Sam Gerard or a Bowen Byron might try and wind it up and play a little bit more offensively. And given his $4 million contract, I think the Avs, 
need more than just, hey, he needs to be healthy. They need him to be a quality NHL defender. As at certainly a number five, at times maybe even a number four D on this team. Manson is critical in keeping the Avs under control defensively, I would say. He's not going to face the toughest matchups. He's not going to have to shut down the the top players of the league or anything. But he's going to be the guy that all that third line's figuring it out, getting their chemistry sorted. They need Manson to prevent bad things from happening. It's it's true with respect to the penalty kill too being in dire need of Manson yep. specifically. Yep. And we talk about the physicality in the mm-hmm. forward group. On the whole, if Manson does have a healthy season, this is a team that can be brutal physically. Yep. Especially that quality single-handedly in Manson. That game when he returned the Minnesota game yep. was such a display of the wrecking ball he can be on ice and how there isn't really an answer for that because it is such sheer force. There isn't much you can do about it. And not only are they in need then of somebody to stabilize the bottom of the defensive group, and that's not to pin him to the bottom, just that that is something that's going to to need to be true because things start to, you lose the plot a little bit if it's Kale McCarr and Devon Taves 28, 29 minutes every game. Yeah, it's just not sustainable. No, we saw it. It broke Kale McCarr last year, and we're just lucky that he can recuperate, but that's not realistic. They need that to be more evenly distributed, but in a player that they can trust even more to provide upside than Eric Johnson. Like, I think Eric Johnson was trusted to an extent. Also scored zero goals trusted, in the regular season right, last with, year. Yeah. With very little. Yeah. Can they trust Josh Manson with more? Yeah. They, I, I, we talked about, hey, you could get away with playing a defenseman 12 minutes a night the other day. You don't want that with Josh Manson. You want this guy going 16, 17, 18 minutes a night, particularly defensive zone starts eating some of that time to where you can get a Kale McCarr with fresh legs in the right zone a little bit more often. And I do think it'll be an interesting transition because when he first came to Colorado, they kind of let him off the leash, right? The offense was, hey, you can fly up the ice, go do whatever you want. It might swing back the other way a little bit this year for Manson. And, of course, has to stay healthy. He needs to have a, you know, he doesn't have to play 82 games, but... He cannot have something that's that's taking him out for a significant amount of time, especially because the Avs don't have a ton of options to fill that defensive D role. You were talking about it yesterday. It's kind of just Keaton Middleton is the next guy up on the defensive D side right now. So for Manson, obviously health, you can only control so much, but understanding his role and being able to not just be the physical presence that he can and will be, but striking a balance of being the responsible defenseman. That's the veteran back there and still being able to function pitching in offensively, doing the things that made him so good in his first season in Colorado. And I think the 
offensive upside that exists for Manson compared to players like Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson. It's more for sure than Is where he separates in an important way that could become very valuable to Colorado because of what we've seen teased in how he likes to lean into that side of his game a little bit if given the opportunity to. And that's been the case in Colorado that there is opportunity for him to lean into that side of things as well. And so... I actually feel like he was ramping up to that and then got hurt and missed significant time last year that we haven't seen that fully realized. And I don't think Manson has either and would probably like to. It's it's actually interesting the more I think about it because I, I do back everything I have said as he moves up the lineup. But there's a very real chance that he starts the season on a line with Jack Johnson. And it, Jack Johnson, cool guy, Stanley Cup winner. For, with the Avs, Josh Manson's the more offensively inclined of those two. So maybe a little bit of, of playing both ways there. Um, and, and there is a greater conversation here that we've had many times. Can you move a Josh Manson if that's what it takes to get Taves re-signed? I'm sure we'll have a conversation with that about Gerard too. Yeah. It's definitely not off the table that Manson could become a piece like that, especially if he's having a solid year. Now, Manson's probably a little bit tougher to move for various reasons, but you would really like to see some sustainability out of Josh. I think that's the word I'm going to go with, sustainability. Um, Okay. Should we do one more speed run style? Yeah. All right. It's going to be like Nathan McKinnon. Hey, I can speed run that one. You rock, don't change. Have a great summer. (laughs) Okay, we talked I about him already. I was going like, to say, I feel like this is one you're very excited about. Yeah. I For Jonathan Druin, I really do believe a 60-point season is absolutely on the table. I, I think he's absolutely capable of that on the offensive side. Assuming health, again, another guy who has to keep himself on the ice and, and in that shape. But this is a guy who should slot in. It's not just hey, Nathan McKinnon and Jonathan Druin used to play together. Such a great reunion. Stylistically, the two players fit together like bread and butter. McKinnon, an extremely high-volume shooter, an extremely good play driver, does all of that. It should be super easy for Jonathan Druin to play off of a player like that, feed that guy pucks, and everybody wins. It just makes a ton of sense on that side of it. But I was looking at his numbers the other day. Uh, Shout out Micah from Hockey Biz. His defensive numbers were actually pretty good in Tampa. So I think people might be underselling Druin's fit in that regard. Av's system that we were talking about earlier isn't all that different from Tampa's. They have their own quirks. But compared to Montreal, where his defensive numbers absolutely fell off a cliff, I do think Jonathan Druin's never going to be in a Selkie conversation. He's not that good defensively. But he should be perfectly capable as a defensive player in Colorado's systems. And that gets me extremely excited because if he's serviceable on that end, he doesn't need to be a 60 point guy. He was a 40 point guy. Fine. Good. If he's a thing, I think you'd really want 40 out of him. 50 point guy. Great. 60 point guy. You're over the moon. That's a first liner. You're, you're living the dream with Druin at that point. Uh, I, I really, again, don't see, hardly any downsides here 
Yeah, I, I continue not to. Yesterday's conversation, the concern was how much question marks and maybes, yep. and I hope this guy can be what we want him to be. With Druan, though, that's less of a gamble in my eyes, one, because there's very little risk if it doesn't pan out, but also the person that is taking the chance on Druan is more or less McKinnon and vouching for him. That's true. And I trust McKinnon's judgment more than I trust mine. I might trust McKinnon's judgment more than I trust C-Max to some extent. I'm putting an asterisk by that. I don't fully mean it. But the fit and the need on a team that is driven so much by Nathan McKinnon, and if he says this is what I need and I want, you I think there's McKinnon a lot of happy. yeah. I think there's a lot of value in that, yeah. and I I'm willing to to hear that out. And that seems like a risk that could pan out if everything that McKinnon saw in Druan and wanted here in Colorado. Not that Miko and Landy haven't been great next to McKinnon, but the last time you got a dude that slotted in next to McKinnon and Arturi Lekin and things turned out pretty well for Colorado. We'll put it that way. A uh, little bit of a different situation, but. So far, the make Mac happy mode has uh, yeah, has gone well. There's benefits to that. <laughs> I yeah, I, it's it's tough because it's hard to really dig into. Here's exactly the things for Jonathan Druin to do to succeed in Colorado because we just haven't seen it yet. But stylistically, trusting Nathan McKinnon, even if he ends up playing on a second line next to. You know, who, whoever, Johansson and a Rantanen or something. Guess what? Migo scored 55 goals last year. That's a nice dude to put next to Jonathan Druin. There are, there are fits for him all over this lineup. And I think that's the most exciting part about a guy who's making 825K. Maybe you take away some of that versatility necessary. I was talking out of Colton. If it's Druin bouncing around the lineup a little bit, if he's capable of, of finding a place and slotting in and you know I, I don't think he's ever going to be a huge goal scorer but a, a guy could be capable of putting up 15 or something like that we'll see it's interesting to put it that way it is a different type of versatility because it's starting top to bottom yeah with a comfort it's like bottom up the way in which he moved and the well, value of it at a 25k and you talked about it earlier, different players mechanically, but in 2022, we saw top-to-bottom versatility. Hey, they slipped Burakovsky down to a third line whenever they wanted to. Right. Drew and not going to score goals on your third line like that, but could distribute to a Colton on your third line. Is it Cope talking myself into it a little bit? Probably. <laughs> but there's still, the potential is there. Happy wife. Kenan, happy life, Kenan. <laughs> Send it away. Get that printed in wood blocks like we have at DNVR right here. Live, laugh, McKinnon. Uh, Live, laugh, McKinnon. <laughs> uh, I, all right. I, I think the wheel has, has told us that we're done because, well, we did like six players. Yeah, I, yeah I think we did a good. lot. Could you spin it one more time? We're not going to talk about it. I'm just so curious. There we go. Let's see who who we would have gotten. Who you guys could have heard us talk about today. Yeah. Taves? Okay. Right. It was nearly wife cannon. It was almost 
That would have been too good, though. World can't have coincidences like that. No. Right? It's not allowed. We are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, though. No coincidence that we have eight of those on tap down at the bar. Uh, you can go get yours at your local liquor store. He's the Breck Beer Locator online to find it near you. They're available in all 50 states, so they are delicious. Cannot recommend them enough. If you have the chance, go get a flight of them because all of their summer beers are great. And then it'll be fall, and all of their fall beers will be great. You cannot go wrong with the Breck Brew in your hand. And if you really like us, consider getting a DNVR Die Hard subscription. Of course, you get a bunch of amazing perks, access to limited available content to diehards only. You get a free shirt when you become a DNVR Die Hard, so you can get this one and support Injured Landy uh, or more <laughs> accurately. Yeah, I mean, that's just the reality. May, look, who knows? By the time the season starts, we may already have a Ross Colton shirt or a Jonathan Druin shirt ready to go. Halifax homies, is that a shirt? Halifax Are we done? Homies. Easy. I'm out here with shirt ideas. Keep your eyes peeled for all of that stuff. Come support us and become a diehard. We're out of here for the day. We will be back tomorrow. AJ should be back for the Wednesday show. So he will be uh, back in studio talking to us like uh, humans face to face, which should be fun. Uh, we hope to see you guys there. We also have a bunch of awesome stuff planned uh, for both the rest of this week and next week. There should be a lot of fun stuff going on at the NVR. So like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Drop a like. Yeah, look at Yeti telling Howler telling you what to do. He already knows what's up. And we will talk to you on the next one.